Hello and welcome to This Week at the Movies. I'm Matt. I'm Eric. And this week we are back with another superhero film, which, you know, if you're like me, I don't think I even realized Blue Beetle was a DC movie until I read about it afterwards. Because when I watched the trailer, I was like, oh, what is this? It's kind of like a superhero movie. Hmm. But in fact, The Blue Beetle is a DC property. And it's coming out at just the perfect time. DC has a very set and contiguous plan that they're following for all of their world building and cinematic universe. And we know exactly how... Oh, wait. Just kidding. That's not true. Uh, This movie, fortunately, doesn't have tie to anything else, which is good for it and probably bad for it. Because as we'll talk about later, it's still unclear what part of the DC extended universe this is going to play, although it is produced by Peter Safran, who along with James Gunn are the new heads of DC. So much like Shazam, you'd have to wonder if this is getting retconned into everything else they're doing, but you know, we'll talk about it a little later. DC, we've gotten a lot of mixed messages of late, you know, including from some wonder woman uh, talk where the star of Wonder Woman tells you they're making a new uh, a third film that's part of the new DCEU and then somebody else tells you they don't know anything about it and you know at some point in time we may get another Aquaman film that that may or may not have sequences of Amber Heard that survived the editing room so it's just you know DC right now is clear as mud but Eric Blue Beetle a new kind of cast, uh, you know, new set of characters, a new location in the DC world. You know, if you if it was Marvel, they probably would have told you it was Miami, but it was not Marvel. So it's uh, when he's getting off the plane and you're seeing the name of wherever it is. I'm like, what city is the man? It occurred to me. Ah, this is the world where Gotham and <laughs> yeah. exists. <laughs> but I thought it was fun. What did you think? So Jaime Reyes is a character that I really enjoy. And the Blue Beetle is a character that I really enjoy. And the way that they mesh, I think, really works. And in that sense, I'm reminded of things I used to feel way back when the first Iron Man came out. And I had to remember to take each movie as its own standalone movie, but I can't help but draw a comparison here because I remember what it was like walking out of Iron Man for the first time thinking how this managed to be somehow more ground grounded in reality than your like G golly gosh, Willikers New York of Sam Raimi's movie. And like, I don't know. There's, there's, there was something about Iron Man that was somehow true to the comics and grounded more in realism. And there was so much character work that it was the first time I was like, well, I didn't, I didn't like Peter Parker as much Peter Parker as much as I like Spider-Man. I didn't like Bruce Banner really at all. And the Hulk didn't really get to do much in that 2003 movie. Um, You know, the X-Men was kind of like my favorite movie series and those characters, they don't have secret identities or like a duality to them. So This really reminded me of like a phase one Marvel movie in a good way, but with sort of the flair and color and comic book up of it of more modern superhero movies. 
which is a shift that I didn't even realize was happening until we got to phase four of Marvel with Shang-Chi. And I just started realizing, man, if this movie came out right next to like Captain America one, like it would be like an explosion of color and CGI. Like, and, and I know those movies are CGI, but whatever. It's just, I really like the family. I really like the core characters. And then there was some surprising emotional weight to one of the villains that was brought up, I think, a little too late. And otherwise, it was kind of beat by beat, like, a, you know, an origin story for a movie. like for, Not an origin story for a movie. For a character. And... So it really made me start to think about the start of something new because, you know, James Gunn one day says Superman legacy is going to be the start of the DCU. So that rules out like Peacemaker and everything else. Yet there's like rumors that Shazam 2 still counts. Rumors that Gal Gadot, yes, is going to be like one of the cast to make it through. And like, who knows where the beginning of anything is. And if this is supposed to feel like a sort of new beginning, it's nice that it's so small, fast paced and just, it gives you like a charming lead character. And yeah, the only other issue I really had with it was what some other people are echoing where the scarab is an alien entity. It's not like a technology thing with an AI in it. So that voice that sounds robotic is supposed to be more organic. And I just did feel like this is an Iron Man hub AI, you know, computer thing and so if it's supposed to be a creature with its own identity maybe give a little bit more to that but i also did feel like it was on its own anyways all in all one thumb up one pretty strong thumb up honestly i i really enjoyed this i feel like this is a pretty easy to watch superhero movie so how about you yeah i mean i share your confusion about where this fits in the larger scope of dc because in a lot of listings they list this as like the 14th or 15th film in the DCEU because development began in 2018. It got greenlit in 2021. It was apparently supposed to be part of the previous iteration. I mean, you also have things like Robert Pattinson's Batman floating out there that just isn't connected to any universe. Um, you know, they've already said Peacemaker, they're pulling in, which you know, means that James Gunn's Suicide Squad, which is very much connected to the current DCEU, is still there. And they're, I think they're hoping that they can use the Flash the same way that J.J. Abrams used the Kelvin to have all the Star Trek characters you know and love, but make slight changes, you know. But Things don't always work that way. People don't always, you know, understand things that way. Does that mean George Clooney's our Batman going forward? Because I'd like to see him make that work. Uh, dance on a wire. You know, sorry, Andy Machete. We've, he, you can do, direct Batman, the Brave and the Bold, but one thing, one, one small item. But in terms of this being a movie, I think it was easier for me just to not think about it as being really part of DC um, because it doesn't, really feel connected other than the guy where you know he wears like the gotham law shirt at one point in time and 
they don't even make a lot of references to anything. So you could be completely in the dark about which version. I mean, this could be Robert Pattinson's, D, you know, DC universe for, for all, you know, because they're not really trying to, to do that. Um, you know, this is kind of, like you said, an original origin story that could stand on its own. Uh, I loved uh, Jaime Reyes' character. I like the performance from Zolo Maradueña. I hope I pronounced that correct. I thought uh, he was great. He was a lot of fun. I it was one of the most fun George Lopez uh, performances that I think um, we've ever had. That, that was kind of fun. You also get this leaning into a different iteration of uh, Blue Beetle with Ted Cord. And obviously, if you saw the post credit scene, you know, they're kind of leaning into that. This, to me, this almost feels a little bit more like uh, you likened it to Iron Man. To me, it almost feels a little bit more like Ant-Man. You know, it's crazy. You, you mentioned that because especially with, with Ted Court, I what this really makes me think of, and it's it kind of eerie how close the similarities are, and I would love to hear a fan talk about this, is Green Lantern. So the Green Lantern is imbued with a ring that chooses them so they can create constructs they can create with their mind. And they have certain strengths versus others. And all of these rings are fueled by the color spectrum, you know, blue being hope, red being rage, green being orange being jealousy, so many different things. And to have a character that is so rooted in hope in the sense that the entire family's like livelihood is crumbling around them. And, and he's like about to lose everything. And the idea is he continues to persevere. Like, you know, there's some arguments about what is will, what is hope, what is whatever when it comes to these rings. But it really confuses me when it comes like how close these are in their mythology, even to the point that Hal Jordan has Scott, Alan Scott, I think, is the original, original Green Lantern, who at one point... He has like a different, like I used magic because I couldn't use your ring, you know, and I, you know, so this, this one-to-one Jaime to Hal Jordan and, and that guy to, to Alan Scott, it, this movie feels so much like another Green Lantern movie with a little bit more color and a little bit more humor. because they can never make another Green Lantern movie. The Green Apparently, Lantern movie no, that exists... Like, Aside from creating what seems to be a very successful relationship between Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively, yeah, is nothing but the butt of jokes. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, I don't think yeah. anyone gets the Green Lantern like in, in for cinema. I, supposedly, I I do think there was a Green Lantern in. Um, I thought there was some kind of Green Lantern thing in James Gunn's list of projects, but there are some of these heroes. The Green Lantern core. Yeah. Like the Green like, Lantern. I could core see Green Lantern show. appearing in like I a Justice that. League thing, but I think it's kind of like the Incredible Hulk. He's Nathan we're Fillion is playing. We're Guy happy Gardner. to have you. Yeah. But you don't need your own movie. You don't get your own show. Or your, your own, own, your own movie. movie. Yeah. But who I, knows? We'll I mean, everything's so thrown off. I did love that we got a slice of a different kind of culture here. Um, we got to feature different kind of performers than we normally see in these movies. Um, mm -hmm. That was refreshing. You know, at this point in time, even though I 
love quite a few of them. Superhero movies have become a little bit a dime a dozen unless you can do something that feels a little bit unique. And the way they did the the exploration of story and culture and family felt a little bit unique. That was probably the part that resonated with me the most, the emotional um, core uh, of this, the Reyes family. Um, yes. And the way they kind of adopt Jenny Cord into that and the way that um, that those family ties and bonds work and then how that ends up playing into him being successful and, um, you know, even imparting who he is on this symbiotic alien entity, which in that sense almost, I mean, you have a lot of different things at play you have the, the green lantern syndrome in play you sort of have the venom syndrome in play with yep. with a, an alien entity that's becoming a symbiotic um it reminded me at times of moon knight in some ways too where he yeah. doesn't have control over this thing that sort of takes takes over but the the innate goodness of his nature and how that so informed the symbiotic that at the end when he has his own rage and wants to take that guy out, it says we don't kill people. Hmm. When, you know, yeah. at the beginning, it was all about the, the military response and, and that's the, the positive impact he had had, the positive impact of of doing everything for his family had had done See, there was a light that's there that's why i wish there was a little more humanity or sentience to that robot is that that arc was there and it was well done like i i was yeah. entertained by it but I, I i don't feel like i could quite feel the care that is coming from a creature that speaks like in a in a very like reserved register we needed more yeah. of their bonding i think is what yeah is what you're feeling because the whole thing was now they've become one how exactly did they become one because even the part where he finally becomes one is him talking to the ghost of his father father yeah not talking to this hmm. entity yeah for which absolutely. there's supposed to be you know bonding even even though even i think if, venom if, is if somewhat the... ridiculous at least tom hardy's character and venom talk to each other yeah and, and if the villains had been laboring under the like the idea and it turned out to be a delusion that it was just a robotic entity and when they try to separate them it's sort of like an et bond between Elliot and E.T., where the two of them are so interlinked, you kill one, you kill the other. And we got to see a little bit more of, like, Jaime is the one who introduces this alien force to humanity and what's important about it. And so the idea of how this thing would operate is, is shifted. And so we see that change, just something about it. Like it was really meaningful. I, I, I got to talk about this for a minute, but this, this guy, this, this evil, big, bad guy. And the way that the, this entity is like, look at his memories and just flashes so much of this person's humanity and how they become this stock giant, you know, big, bad, evil guy. Like, it, it really meant a lot. It's it's so nice to see that you can take a standard sort of stock thing that you see him time and again in every superhero movie and justify its existence and make you care 
And then apparently they pulled inspiration from another character that uh, is called something indestructible or Mr. Indestructible. I don't know. So I would just be so curious to see a character go through that arc of just like your muscle headed stormtrooper to a rounded character that is fascinating to me. I wish we had gotten a little bit more of that other than just what happens at the end. But yeah, I don't know. There's just, there was just something refreshing up. and nice. Yeah, there are quite like, a few Apparently at the going. end, he discovered how to be able to morph into the suit without coming back completely naked. But they don't really tell you how he figured that out. Yeah, I would or really like yeah how, to know yeah. how to... How do you not incinerate your clothes every time? But uh, yeah. I like you. I, get, I gave it one thumb up. I enjoyed it. I think the question, we still don't know how this fits in the long-term oh, plans. I, they indicated it's going to continue, but I mean, it was definitely developed as part of the DCEU. So they can't but, publicly tell people this one is not part of the DCEU. Because then you take that whole guaranteed fan base and you tell them this one doesn't count and you risk losing some core of what you're going to make money off of. James Gunn was quoted as saying The Flash was one of the greatest superhero movies ever. Tom Cruise was saying Flash was one of the greatest superhero movies ever. And I enjoyed that movie a lot. But who watched that movie and thought this is one of the greatest superhero movies ever? Nobody. It does have the best Batman ever. But here's the thing. They've covered themselves, so if this movie makes a surprising amount of money considering how horrifically low it was tracking, then they can speak to how much they had faith in it all along, and they can carry it on, and they can allow this to be incorporated into the DCU, and they you know, they don't have to worry about it. So, like, I, it's such a... I'm just saying, it's cynically, it's such just cover their ass and try and make money. And that's it. If the movie makes money, then it will be a thing. It, it just, it really, it, that, that's gotta be it. I definitely don't think that there's a board anywhere with all their current projects where they go, this one's not in and this one is in. I, do, I doubt they've made those decisions. I think they're just waiting to see. I think the hardest one they're doing is, is, is Aquaman. And I think that's part of the reason that they are so hesitant to put it out there is because pretty much everyone knows Aquaman 2 is not going to count. There's been too much publicity on Ben Affleck getting cut out of the movie and then like everything with Amber Heard and all this stuff. It just, that's the one that I think they don't want to take. They also just added to the fact that the first Aquaman is not good and remains my least favorite of all the DCEU films. You know what? I disagree. And also, I would say that I thought it was interesting that Aquaman has been so influential that the director of this movie is sort of using a bit of its style with the, like, circling shots in a few of the action sequences. It's like, people are... Even if Aquaman wasn't the greatest thing ever, there are things people are taking away from how its action was shot. And there's this, the balance between physical practical presences and completely digital, you know, environments and characters. I, I feel like you wouldn't really have Aquaman is the first movie 
to go, all right, Justice League is trying to be as hard and gritty and realistic as, as that possibly could be with the with him and his tattoos and his like I just drink beer and walk along, you know, the wastelands and like this character, right? I'm talking Zack Snyder's Justice League. Aquaman saw that interpretation and went, We are gonna pivot it so hard that we can get him into the orange and green spandex suit by the end of the movie. And the rest of superhero movies have started to skew that way. Just being more comic book accurate with its costumes, taking away the techie, like intricate designs and smoothing everything out, brightening up the colors, pushing itself beyond the realm of believability in terms of just it's magic. Deal with it. I honestly either I have to give it to you. I think Aquaman stands as like a center point where you're either upset about everything that happened because of it or everything that you like right now, it's sort of is owed to it, but it's still way too long. I gave Aquaman half a star out of five. Oh no. I consider it to be one of the worst superhero movies I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know if I think it's better than Halle Berry's Catwoman. Well, I know it's because Amber Heard didn't use her British accent, and now you were missing that. You already knew about it in advance. She's not actually British, like, though. No, I know, but I just—I oh. never—I I laughed so hard at her scenes from the the Oof. Justice League, and I can't believe they went that way. Oh, that was... I forget about. Well, <laughs> let me let me tell you the theatrical cut of Justice League. I don't have much higher than Aquaman, I don't think. So for me, like my bottom three of the current DCU is Aquaman, the bottom, then theatrical cut of Justice League, and then Wonder Fair. Woman 1984. Yeah, I mean, those are... I don't think Wonder Woman 1984 is the train wreck those other two are at times, but yeah, okay. but I don't I... think it's good either, which is disappointing. But for me, yeah. Blue Beetle, so there were... I have it. I did put it into my DC rankings on Letterbox. I have it like about the midpoint. I also have it the midpoint of the films that were released this year. I still like The Flash a touch better, but I thought this was better than Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm sorry. I'm honestly Shazam: Fury of the Gods hit me kind of like Fast and Furious Nine, where. I thought I was the problem. I was watching it thinking like I'm I've become too cynical or burned out or whatever. But then I've gone and watched like other new superhero movies, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Blue Beetle, like all these movies and I've found like they they're enjoyable, they're refreshing even if even if they aren't doing something new, they're refreshing and they're they're entertaining. And it makes me realize more and more like I'm never going to get over the Skittles joke. I, it, I, it, it irritates the crap out of me. It's, it's just, this is just a Skittles commercial. You were paid to put a Skittles commercial in the middle of the movie. And who is this for? I, I don't know. But that one, you could more easily make the case that that's definitely getting retconned into whatever they're doing. Because if you remember the post credits scene in Shazam 2 has James Gunn's literal wife, Jennifer Holland, and her character from the Peacemaker show. Yep. So they definitely, that's what I was waiting to see what we were going to get in post credit sequences for the Blue Beetle. And you were right. The, if there was a fence, it's firmly up their keister on this one because they were <laughs> not going to do anything that is a reference to a larger world 
or anything that's outside. There are two credit sequences. One of them is to the idea that Ted Cord is still alive and you could have two versions of the Blue Beetle, which you could actually have since he doesn't rely on the Scarab. And the other one is just kind of a joke with George Lopez. Yep. So they firmly don't make a decision either way. I think you are 100% correct there. Yeah. They don't want to commit. And I hope it I hope it does decently. I, I think it it's a I think it was a decent film. I, I think it's coming that. out at a weird time. And yeah. unfortunately because of the writer and actor strike, they can't do promotion for any of these films nope. right now. And when you have a cast of relative newcomers with a superhero that is not a household name, I think that's going to hurt unless it can get a strong word of mouth campaign. And like I went the middle of the day on a Saturday, which you would think on opening weekend should be pretty full. There were six people in my theater and I thought, what a bummer. Yeah, and that's the problem is we're still riding out this incredible wave from Oppenheimer and Barbie. And some people are trickling in and starting to watch the other movies that have come out. But we have so many movies in theaters right now that I would say, yeah, go see it. That Blue Beetle is trying to survive amidst like at like six blockbusters. Well, like, and you don't even have like the IP tie that you would have had for a movie like Flash where he's recognizable, mm -hmm. but also my let's be honest, Batman. that was essentially a Batman film. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I added it to my ranking of Batman films. So, no. I mean... okay. Well, I mean, Batman's the co-lead. Let's He is. Let's not, let's not mistake. Really, In fact, there's really probably wish... more of an emotional arc for Batman than there is for... Yeah. I really wish it had a subtitle. I wish this had been a, a, a like a sequel to a Flash movie. Uh, I, I, man, I don't. I, I, I get hung up sometimes remembering things I enjoyed from the Flash, and it sort of makes me kind of like bitter about how things are going. Like uh, the, the way they handled his origin, like they made this movie somehow a sequel and an origin in one. They got to be a movie that's independent from the origin and free from it. Yeah. And and so we go back to this, and this movie was so traditional. But I, honestly, the crazy thing is it was almost nostalgic mm. because we've been off of origin movies, good gosh, since... Probably since Shang-Chi. Well, I would say Shang-Chi is also... It's tricky because, yes, he does become something clearly over the course of the movie, but... You know, he already is trained. Well, no, you see him growing up and everything. Shang-Chi is a good example of one also. But, like, that that felt so unique. I don't know. Like, like I, I, think, of, I think of origin movies. I think of the first Spider-Man movie. Or I think of, um, like, the, the original Hulk movie. The, like, the Fantastic Four. Like, all these movies where they were just, like, think that they have to introduce the wider world. movies that have done so well. I know, but that's Fantastic the thing. Like, Daredevil, yeah. Um, like, isn't Ben Affleck's Daredevil is coming back in, in Deadpool? Man, Elektra is one of the main characters in that movie. Jennifer Garner's Elektra, and 
I am I am rooting for it so hard because he's he's my all-time favorite Marvel character. Deadpool. But and no matter what happens, Ben Affleck's Daredevil is what introduced me to the character. So I will always have a soft spot for that atrocious movie. And you know, it's so weird. I've become a fan of so many things because of that movie. It's so there's so it, many people that something... were in that Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. It should have been better. Yeah, it, it really should have been. And the director's cut does, I think, do a lot to improve what's there. But you can't escape how bad the bad things are in that movie. Like it's 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 so weird. I don't know. I they, like they they nailed something that a lot of movies tried to do with that, where you get a PG thirteen movie, so you try and introduce a broader audience to like a very niche thing and it did it introduced someone who didn't know anything like into this niche thing and then i got really into frank miller and then i got really into like the crow because this guy was clearly trying to rip off alex Prius's direction in that and there was so much like and i'm I'm just so curious to see him come back but blue beetle somehow really made me think back at the very least to those first phase one thor Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, you know, which isn't really an origin movie, but, and Captain America, just, just when they were hitting those beats of, of here's a character, here's a thematic lesson they're supposed to learn that's going to define them as a hero. Here's the bad guy that's basically just them, but a different color. And, you know, your big bad behind the scenes villain, Susan Sarandon, who I don't think we've talked about. And I think that's for a reason. Like she's, she's naturalistic as the character. I don't, I, I don't not believe her, but like, she doesn't stand out in any way. So no, neither, yeah, the, it's just, neither of the villain characters were really. Yeah. That. And then you have someone very important to the character dies, you know, like at a certain point in the movie and they're sort of a mentor to the character. And so they, you know, go through those kind of beats. And Uncle Ben, is that you? Oh wait, no, it's time. Is yeah. And then there's, then there's uh, the character getting to like a death and rebirth point. Tony Stark's chess piece fizzles out and then they manage to get his other chess piece back in him. And um, you know, like I just, it's been so long since we've had something that was this like, here's a new guy who's going to stand up and be a hero that I was kind of like, huh, this feels somehow new and very old at the same time. So. Well, that'll be a wrap for uh, Blue Beetle, which we both enjoyed. Each of us gave it a thumb up. You know, I think it's worth uh, checking out whether or not we get any more of him uh remains to be seen um yep but i would be interested in seeing you know this group come back um we'll have to see how that goes next week uh we get to see the movie that got delayed a couple weeks which is gran turismo which is based on not only a popular playstation video game but a true story of a gamer who became a race car driver I caught one of the sneak previews yesterday. I can't wait to talk about this next week. I hope you uh, and I are on the same page. Otherwise, that's going to be personally devastating. But I just, I can't get over this one fact enough. So for anyone out there who's like, 
what is Gran Turismo? What you need to know, what you need to know is that the real guy that the movie is based on did the stunts in the movie. He is driving the car when the actor is not driving the car. So not only did this person grow up playing a video game he enjoyed and then go on to win like championships or whatever as an actual driver, but he then went into a stunt team and said, no, 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 I'm going to do your job too and successfully pull off the movie. Like, it's incredible that this guy's story is still playing out in front of your eyes on camera. I'm so excited for this one. I really hope it like, it just is like a, just a really good thrilling kind of racing movie is all I'm looking for. But just like, yeah, rooting for it. Also, Orlando Bloom is somebody I think just gets overlooked. I think I'm excited about that. I mean, speaking of being overlooked, I will tell you, he doesn't have top billing in the movie. Yeah. Well, neither did Josh Hartnett, but mm, yum, yum, yum. Oh, and Oppenheimer. Mm. I know but that. That made sense with that cast. Or, yeah. Orlando Bloom. Nobody gets stopped. Bloom. Orlando Bloom, it's like... Hmm. It's like all those movies Killian Murphy got overlooked for, they brought that whole cast of actors back to support him finally getting the lead. Yeah. Well, uh, until next week, hopefully you have a chance to go check out the Blue Beetle and go and check out Gran Turismo, which uh, still some preview screenings going on today and then uh, will open wide on Friday. So we will see you at the movies.